Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! What's up, YouTube? Rick here, and we are about to deep dive this Valero Texas Open for all your DFS purposes, tier by tier. So make sure you're subscribed, hit the like button, sit back, and relax. The Valero Texas Open DFS, baby. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Nishad is here. Sia, what up? Uh, what's up, fellas? We're we're just a few small steps away from the Masters, but why not just take down this uh, this DraftKings Valero tournament while while we're waiting? Might as well just win this money, then win all the money next week, too. I mean, what seems so difficult about that? Greg Ducharme is here. What up, Greg? What's going on? I feel the same way as you, Sia. Uh, let, let's take this down. I need a stroke play event uh, between match play and the Masters. Because if it goes, <laughs> if this week goes anything like the match play went for me, it's not going to be good. But I know it won't because uh, we're back. I feel like we're back for some stroke play action. Greg, do you watch Succession? No. Should I? Yeah, have you watched it? I've no. Not, I watched I, I watched the first two episodes of the first season. This is like a few years ago, okay. and I wasn't impressed. Apparently, I should have waited and watched a few more episodes. Yeah, it's really good. But the point is, there. so there's there, a character named Greg, and he interacts with this other character, but he always says it like, Greg, and I always <laughs> want to say it. Now, now it's like stuck in my brain every time I address our Greg. Well, hey, look, I'm I'm open to it. You want to reference it? I mean, it's a little bit over my head, but uh, I'm all for it. Well, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I can tell you how our one and done is going, gentlemen. Not great for us because the fans are smacking us around. And Sia, I was telling Kyle, uh, the big win for the fans in the one and done, 2.1 million bucks from Scotty Scheffler. That's good for you because it's not like just you got passed. They passed half of us. It's true. I, I still, you know, at this point, it's really me trying to fend off Kyle because, you know, nobody wants to be at the bottom. But listen, you know, when, when the fans pick Scotty Scheffler, and by the way, I'm not some like one and done like connoisseur. It's just not something I usually engage in. So uh, not that I'm a rookie, but, you know, maybe my strategy is a loft. When they picked Scotty Scheffler, I was like, oh, good. The fans are wasting Scotty Scheffler. I want to take <laughs> him down the stretch. But, you know, here we are. He actually wins the tournament in match play. And uh, so I'm I'm looking up at almost everybody. So that official fan vote to keep the momentum going, the link is in the description. Get your votes in. Elijah is the one who compiles all that. So big thanks to you, Elijah. And you guys are right in the mix of it now. We've got 8.6 in the purse this week. Obviously, something like 12 million bucks for the master. So it's going to be big. And you have to have your selections in by Tuesday morning. That's when we're going to record the uh, mega preview pod. But... For now, Greg, I think we should get into a little, little DFS action. You excited for this back to regular stroke play? I am fired up about it. Let's do it. All right. TPC San Antonio, the Oaks course. And I'll share my screen. This is uh, my website, rickrungood.com. And uh, Greg, on paper, this is a 7,400-yard par four. You run some models. You realize it probably doesn't play that long. The uh, greens are about medium-sized on tour. Like, What can we expect from this course and then kind of the players that we would hope to have success this week? Well, it seems like um, as far as the ratings are concerned, the models are concerned, it's right around average. You have to keep the ball in play. doesn't necessarily have to be in the fairway. Um, you can't be, it can't be outside the tree line. Then you can get into some real trouble if you're really offline. Um, but fairways to rough, not a huge difference. Uh, and, and everything else seems to be right around average. Um, what, what I notice when I look at winners of this event, they're really solid ball strikers. Um, not necessarily the greatest, the longest drivers, but really solid ball strikers. You think of a guy like Adam Scott, who won the first rendition here. Jordan Spieth last year. Charlie Hoffman, who's had a lot of success here. Corey Connors, who won here. Uh, these are guys 
who hit the ball really well from T to green. And, and it's not, it, it doesn't have to be a Bryson DeChambeau kind of driving distance that not necessarily a huge advantage there, but guys who have real control of their ball. I mean, it, it's definitely, it, it's a challenging golf course and you got to play well. And the guys that give themselves a lot of birdie opportunities, the guys that are able to hit a lot of greens uh, will have an advantage on this course. Yeah, a couple things stand out to me. One, Greg already touched on. Uh, not being in the fairway is not a problem, as long as you're not super wayward. Rough is not penal at all. You hear some quotes from players, Sia, that's like, yeah, the rough is the same thing as the fairway, and the stats back it up. There's not a huge difference if you're playing out of the rough. The other thing is... Uh, these greens are about tour average, maybe a little bit bigger than tour average, but they're they're tiered. And when you when you get tiered greens, I start to lean more towards the approach players because now it turns into not only uh, hitting it the right distance, letting it bounce, seeing what the spin does to it, but also making sure you end up on that correct level uh, so that you can give yourself a chance to make a lot of these birdies. I totally agree. I mean, I'm definitely going to have more of an emphasis this week, I, I would say, compared to, let's say, the last few weeks during the Florida Swing on approach for that. Well, partly for that reason. Definitely think it's a second shot golf course. And I'm definitely going to be leaning on approach really across all of the the quote buckets. I mean, I, I think I don't think there's like a huge disparity one way or the other. So I think for this tournament, when you're looking at approach, I think you can look at it as a just just all of it, all of the tiers together. All right. Well, I, I can't wait any longer. We've got to get into this player pool. We're going to jump directly into that $10,000 range. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Five golfers over $10,000. Rory McIlroy leads the way at 11200 Hideki Matsuyama is 10-8. Our defending champion, Jordan Spieth, 10600 with Abraham Answer at 10300 And Bryson DeChambeau rounding out the tier at 10200 Greg, uh, we've got guys who've taken some time off. We've got guys with question marks both uh with with injuries up there as well how are we starting to spend our hard-earned bucks at the top i think there are um i like to rule out the guys with the injury question um now i know that you just saw daniel berger win after uh, or near win after a after an injury uh, and he looked great at the honda classic coming off an injury so uh, there is a chance that Hideki Matsuyama is feeling fine, feeling ready to go. Bryson looked too rusty to me last week to be an option. Um, there just there was a lot for him to clean up, and I'm not sure going into a stroke play event that's a great thing for him. But R Rory McIlroy on top seems to be very fairly priced, and he seems to be a great option here. Uh, a couple reasons: one, he's been playing really good golf all around the world. And I don't think he's going to run into those really difficult, difficult conditions like he did at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the players that kind of um, put him at a disadvantage, at least in my opinion. And and Rory is really focused and ready. And, and I, from what I heard on his strategy for the Masters, playing this week is to take his mind off the Masters and give him something to focus on. And, and it, it leads me to believe his focus in this event is to win this tournament. And, and that strategy, while there's the secondary purpose of alleviating some pressure from completing the career grand slam, it, it puts his focus squarely on the Valero Texas open. And I think that could go a long way for him. Yeah. As if winning the masters isn't pressure enough to have that event be the one to complete the career grand slam. And you've taken what 10 cracks at it. I don't know how, yeah. how long has he been stuck on needing this one? Um, it, it well, Let's see. He won the Open Championship in 2014, so I, and I think that's when so I, 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 
Yeah. So since 2014, it's a long time. And we talked about it a little bit with Scotty Scheffler reaching world number one. When these milestones are at the at your fingertips and the longer it goes by without you taking it, the the more difficult it gets. I mean, you've seen some of the legends of the game. I mean, guys that you'd put on the Mount Rushmore of the game of golf, like Arnold Palmer, like Sam Snead, unable to complete a career grand slam. And, and it, it just, it becomes a thing. And I like the change in strategy for Rory this week. And I think it really benefits him this week. I, I think from a DFS perspective, he gives you great value and he is the best player in this field. Uh, very, very clearly, but he's not priced the way a, a John Rahm might be if he were here. Uh, maybe John Rahm would be at what 11 3, 11 4. And this just seems much more manageable. So I, I really like Rory. Um, and we, then we've historically seen him take, uh, play the match play and then take this week off leading into the Masters. So that's what you right. were when you're talking about the change in strategy. Right. And he, and he switched that. And, and I think it's a, gr- I think it's a really good idea for guys to play the week before a major. Um, it, it allows you to, shake off a little bit of the rust. It allows you to stay focused on uh, the shot at hand. Um, and, and you think about like a Brooks Kepka. I mean, they, they come in with real focus because there's, there's a real meaning to it behind beyond, well, there's FedEx cup points and in the fall for some of these guys, when Rory plays in the fall, the FedEx cup isn't, isn't on his mind. I mean, maybe it is when he's building his schedule, but it, there's, there's something to prepare for. There's something to be ready for. And that means to me, he's, he's coming into this event prepared. He's coming into this event, ready to go with a real purpose. And, and, and that could, it could go a long way. And then he, he's played here once before in 2013, he came in second. That doesn't hurt either. No, it doesn't. Roy McElroy and the advanced metrics certainly looking good. Multiple strokes off the tee. Uh, basically every event dating back to last summer, the approach play went through a little bit of uh, a downtime, but he seemed to clean that up a little bit. So Roy McElroy certainly trending in the right direction at the right time. See, ya. Uh, Greg quickly dismissed the uh, the guys dealing with injuries. Hideki Matsuyama, Bryson DeChambeau. I don't necessarily think he's wrong, but those two are going to offer kind of leverage opportunities in the $10,000 range. Are they good enough plays to accept the leverage or are you going to avoid them and go somewhere else? I think they're good enough plays to accept the leverage if the leverage actually is there. It wouldn't shock me if guys like Decky and Bryson end up picking enough, picking up enough ownership that they're not going to eclipse Roy by any means, but some they're going to be somewhere near some of those other 10K guys, including Roy, Roy McElroy. So I'm, I agree with Greg. I'm not super interested in either of those guys. I think if I was going to play one, I'd probably bank on Bryson. I agree that he was rusty, but I mean, I, I, I just like the fact that he played a lot of golf last week and considering this field, I think it could be a breakout opportunity for him. With all of that said, Rory's my guy in this range and he's probably going to be the only guy I'm going to play in a lot of my lineups. I do think there is cause to maybe lean on Jordan Spieth, knowing that he won here last year, that he was 30th in 2019 and that really what's been failing him as of late has been the putter. I mean, if you just look at the match play last week, but even before that, the, the three tournaments before that, the putting's been really bad. The approach play's been okay as far as a get-right spot and a spot where you are not only getting right because it's a course you like and you've been good at, but also you're getting right for the Masters. I think this could be a sneaky spot for Jordan Speed. Yeah, I um I find the ten thousand dollar range to be quite fascinating. So Bryson D- or uh, Jordan Spieth, excuse me, lost five and a half strokes putting last week at the match play. Those are the official PGA Tour numbers, though they can be a bit wonky for match play because guys play different number of holes, shots and holes themselves are conceded. So take it for what it's worth. But Jordan Spieth did not putt well last week, and he hasn't been putting well. When I look at this, Greg, I'm I'm much more bullish on Hideki Matsuyama. Maybe I'm I'm more willing to kind of stomach a, a WD on Thursday morning or maybe nine holes into this event if that's what's going to happen. And there's no real evidence that that's going to happen. But there's question marks around Jordan Spieth. There's question marks around Bryson DeChambeau. At least I know that Hideki's been awesome this year. He's been awesome in 2022. He's gaining across the board. He's putting well. I, I mean, I'm, I'm much more bullish on Decky than I think you two are. Yeah. And again, it has nothing to do with his play. Yeah. Maybe this is a Daniel Berger situation all over again at the Honda. I mean, his play was great. He gets hurt and then he comes back and he's fine. 
and that, that there's a real possibility of that. Um, I, I just wonder if that price is a little high considering the question mark. And that's really where he, he pushes me away. But you're right, Rick. If there was no injury, if there was no injury reporting on the PGA Tour and he just said, eh, I don't want to play in the in the uh, in the players this year. I, I'm OK. I'll sit out the I'll sit out the WGC Dell Technologies match play. You'd say, well, OK, well, this guy's this guy's looking really good. He's going to look good in any start from a metrics perspective. But we do know about a back injury. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a reset uh, where he is with this game. Has he not been able to practice as much? I'm, I'm sure he hasn't been. And so w- when you get back to practicing, how is it gone? And we don't know. So the reset gives me a little bit of pause when there's a Rory McIlroy there. I'm with Sia. I think Jordan Spieth is interesting. Um, um, I have my questions, but I'm much more willing to stomach the Jordan Spieth questions uh, than I am Hideki Matsuyama or Bryson questions. All right. Well, that just leaves us with one guy in the 10,000 range that we didn't talk about. It's Abraham answer. He's 10,300. See, I liked what I saw at the match play. I think that he was a hair reliant on the putter, but for his first, I don't know, three or four matches, he never trailed. I mean, he was, he was in control and he did, he played enough golf, but not too much for me to be all that concerned about teeing it up the following week. We talked about, uh, TPC San Antonio, which I think on paper, it looks longer than it is. You usually get a lot of run out in these fairways. They're usually more dry uh, than than the uh, than the greens themselves are. I think this is kind of a sneaky spot on Abe answer. How do you think his ownership uh, sizes up compared to the rest of these guys? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think he's going to be super popular because he's 10,300, but, but I could see him. I mean, I, I think it's going to be Rory in this range more than anybody. And I think everybody else is going to be kind of in a similar circumstance. And I'm, I'm just throwing out numbers, but I think they're all going to be somewhere between like 12 and 14%, for example, as far as Abraham answer, honestly, I mean, you, you kind of understated it as far as relying on the putter. I mean, gaining 7.21 strokes with the putter. And then it's like, okay, well, that's fine. He had a hot putter. Like don't hold that against him because he was good with the ball striking. Well, yeah, but the problem is, if you just look at the last like six or eight tournaments, the ball striking hasn't been great. It's not the Abraham answer we think of, like he's just going to keep it in the fairway and he's going he's going to keep it, you know, eight to fifteen feet from the pin on approach. Like the approach play's been a little spotty. And then you go back and look at his history here, and there's nothing that's like really standing out. I mean, you got a twenty third, a fortieth, or you know, and and just some middling results. So it'd be one thing if answer was like ninety one hundred. But I'm I'm just going to go ahead and pay up for for Rory McIlroy and just skip the rest of the 10K guys altogether or take a guy who I think has more upside in a Jordan Spieth or Bryson or even a Hideki Matsuyama. And uh, see, I think that's the key word with Abraham answer is that upside word. And mm-hmm. and it seems like his upside doesn't match the price. Now, right. I, I mean, would you be shocked if he won the tournament? I would be surprised. I, I would be surprised, maybe not shocked, but I'd be surprised. And, and if you look at what he's done here in the past, um, aside from just the finishing positions, he's gained strokes putting every year. And yet his best finishes at T23 last year, which was the only time he gained strokes approaching the green in his career here. And so I wonder, looking at an Abraham answer, is there enough? What can he do differently here that's going to make him pop and and really finish near the top of the lead. And I'm not sure that I see the path as clear as I do for a Spieth or a McElroy. I will note this is the third most expensive that Abraham answer has ever been at 10,300, which is a little, it just doesn't seem warranted of pill to swallow when you're paying basically an all time high for any golfer. That's, that's not, you know, Abraham. I mean, Rick, why is he more than Corey Connors? I mean, yeah, I'm not super bullish on Corey Connors this week, but that it is it is strange that answer is five hundred dollars more than Connors, who went deeper in the match play, has better history around here. Honestly, he's probably been playing better than him the last four or five months. It, it is a curious pricing situation. It's bizarre. It's I mean, completely bizarre. I don't I don't get that at all. They should be flipped. I can't imagine DraftKings is actually factoring in the number of holes Corey Connors played last week. If that's the case, then clever on DraftKings part, like I get it, but there's no way that's being factored in, right, Rick? No, I think it is more uh, more reflective of what the the betting odds are, and I think that the markets, the betting markets, uh, respect Abraham Answers winning upside uh, sometimes more often than they respect Corey Connors. Although I think both of them only have 
one win, right? Connors has the one here a couple of years ago and answer just had one at the end of last year. That's both one for each, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, um, but I mean, Connors looks, if you take the holes he played out last year, he looks so good in every other area. I mean, you think about all the things we mentioned at the top of the show that are important. Uh, it's hard to hit greens here, but you can, you got to get it on the right level. I mean, these are things Corey Connors did all week last week. He is, and he didn't play the number of competitive holes of most guys who get to the semifinals. I mean, his first match was conceded after the second hole. I mean, that, that just relieves a lot of stress. So I I think that's a, um, a miss, but maybe it gives you some value to Corey Connors. Well, let's talk about it because he leads off the $9,000 range. Connors is at the top $9,800. Siwoo Kim at 96. Maverick McNeely is 95. The bottom half starts with Chris Kirk at 9,400. Gary Woodland at 9,300. With Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau, and Jason Day at 92, 91, and $9,000 respectively. See ya. Back to you here. Okay, is this a value spot on Connors? Would you prefer someone else out of this $9,000 range? I don't know what to do with Connors. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I love his history, obviously. I love his game for this course. And and I, by the way, I like that Greg brought up he didn't really have to play one of the rounds because I am factoring in the number of holes uh, he had to play, the number of days and rounds he had to play. I, I don't really know what to do with that. I mean, he's he hasn't withdrawn. He's here for a reason. He only has to play four rounds, which is or maybe two, but probably four, which is going to be quite a relief from what he did last week. The ball striking is there. I don't mind Corey Connors. I'm just not super excited to play him. And because I'm probably going some form with my lineups, I'm going some formulation of like Rory McIlroy and then balance. I don't really know that I'm going to get to Corey Connors. There is not a lot of great history. It doesn't happen often that guys who make deep runs in the match play tee it up the following week. For example, as soon as Scotty Scheffler won his group, he withdrew from this event, right? Because he knew, okay, well, now I've got at least uh, two more matches or, or I could have two more matches the next day and I could have four more matches over the next two days. I know this is going to be a lot of golf. Now, Corey Connors, Greg, is going back to probably the best spot on the PGA tour for him. So he wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. And now we're reconciling what is six matches over uh, over five days mean compared to what should have been seven matches over five days, going back to your favorite spot on, on the schedule. Right. And, and realistically, I mean, this is a, this is something I I think the golf world misinterprets about the PGA tour that, uh, that guys try to peak for the majors. Um, and, and there's a handful of guys that do, but the handful is small. And I don't think Corey Connors is in that class. He would like to, I, and I think we all know he has the game to win a major championship contend in a major, but he's trying to win events on the PGA tour. And, and when you have a spot like this, this is a better chance for him than, than the masters. So, I mean, he's, he's got to take this event, um, very seriously. And it, it's not a, a prep round. It's not a shake the rust off round. This is a tournament he's trying to he's trying to win. Uh, and it's an important tournament for him. So I, I think that is a, a real factor here. But Rick, other than Corey Connors, who I, I like this week, I think he's a valuable play. I think you could start your lineup with him if you don't want to play Rory. Um, but I think uh, Chris Kirk and Gary Woodland are also interesting in this range. And I, I wouldn't be against playing them either. Yeah, so Chris Kirk uh, coming off of, uh, what's that, two top 10 finishes in his last three starts. Gary Woodland has been popping up as well. Let me put just a little uh, bow on Corey Connors here, because if you look at everybody in this field dating back to 2010 uh, at TPC San Antonio, uh, Charlie Hoffman, by far the best player uh, with the most rounds, gaining 2.4 strokes per round. Corey Connors is right behind 2.3. It's only three starts, but he has been phenomenal here. So he is certainly someone uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Sia, we've got we've got Connors in the mix. We've got Chris Kirk in the mix. We've got Gary Woodland in the mix. Would you like to submit another name or voice some concerns about one of those guys? I should have kept going because those are my other two guys. It it really was Chris Kirk and Gary Woodland. The one watch out with Chris Kirk, of course, is he's likely to be very popular. You look at his history and you look at his recent metrics, and it's hard to find a reason not to take Chris Kirk. I mean, he is a little expensive, of course, but I think people will be willing to pay the price for Kirk. So I suppose if he's really, really popular, like approaching 20%, which 
I kind of don't think is going to happen. I'll be off of him in that case, but I do get the argument for Chris Kirk and I get the argument for Gary Woodland too. He's striking it so much better. And the cool thing about Woodland, he has the all around game, you know, the, the off the tee, especially here, you know, if, if he actually pulls out driver and sprays it just a little bit, it's probably not going to hurt him too bad here. The approach play has been really good. The short game has been really good. So he doesn't do any, he's not, he hasn't been really excelling at a lot of things, but he's been really good in all departments. I'll tell you one guy that I had on my list that I took off. Real ahead, quick Rex. before you do that, I will just mention this is the best course on tour in terms of strokes gain metrics for Chris Kirk in which he's played at least uh, you know nine rounds. So he's gaining a stroke and a half per round. That's the history that Sia is referring to. Go ahead, Sia. Who was it? Yeah, and Chris Kirk's history here kind of reflects that. I mean, he has peppered in some missed cuts recently, but other than that, over the last five years, a sixth, an eighth, and a thirteenth. I mean, that for Chris Kirk of all people, I mean, you would almost think that would be the history of somebody with the pedigree of a Hideki Matsuyama or even a Roy McElroy, but no, that's Chris Kirk. Uh, the guy I had on my list that I think is relying a little bit too much on the putter as of late, and the ball striking hasn't really been as good as I, I want it to be, and he's really expensive. It's Maverick McNeely. I, I love the guy. I try to take him in every tournament if I can justify it. I, I, I don't feel really good about it at this price here. I'm uh man, we're not on the same page today. I'm 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 a bit more bullish on on Maverick McNeely. He was probably the most unlucky guy last week. You know, one, like he oh, was, I agree. He was oh, Rick, two let me, oh and one. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to interrupt you. I had him in every single one of my match play lineups, and it literally was like a, a like a, a slap to the face, if you will, which of course is an apropos metaphor. When, when he didn't make the cut, and it wasn't because Kevin Na took him out in in overtime, if you will, it was because Neiman, when he was playing Na, I think missed like a, a three and a half or four footer, which which I think gave Na the split to get him into into the the extra holes. I think that's how it went down, but. Matt McNeely was the pick last week. I can't believe he didn't advance. Yeah, two and a half points and doesn't advance out of his group is a tough scene. But I, I'm very much liking what I see from Maverick McNeely. The guy is uh, basically in the last year, he is up and to the right. He went from being a slightly above average tour player and living there to improving seemingly every single week. So I'm excited about Mav McNeely. Uh, Greg, this $9,000 range, you kind of mentioned it. Maybe you start with Corey Connors. It, it is, it is quite rich with selections. Yeah. And again, I mean, if you have a, if you like a McNeely, which I think is a, a fine play, I think it's justifiable. And I, I think the price is maybe a little high. The perception might be a little high, but he deserves to be priced ahead of a Gary Woodland um, and a Keegan Bradley and a Tony Finau. He, he really, he's earned that. So I, I like what I've seen out of McNeely. Um, and then, uh, from there, so when you have those three guys really right in a row, if you start with the Corey Connors, you can get a, a McNeely, Kirk, or Woodland. I, I think you're setting yourself up for a great lineup. Um, Jason Day hasn't been great here. Tony Finau. Yeah. Let's, it, talk, um, let's talk about it. He's worth talking about. As you say, Rick, we have to have the Tony Finau conversation. Gotta have it. Because uh, he, he made, he made uh, on my count, nine birdies against Xander Shoffley. Yeah. Um, maybe that's just a, is that enough? Is that enough? A, to, a Xander that enough thing? To you? <laughs> He's got a T three here. The play has just been so bad, but, but you know that the upside is there. There aren't a lot of guys in this field who go, can go out there and make nine birdies in a, in, in a, a round against Xander Shoffley. I mean, that, that's a elite upside, but it, it just, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great of last, and it still worries me. And and I know there was no pressure in that round. He was playing to spoil the party for me, and not for Xander, for me. And he did. And he did. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. See, ya. I I obviously like the upside when you birdie half of your holes. I I, I like the flash, but I if Finau wins this and wipes me this week, I I I'll survive. I'll move on. I I don't think I can be a part of it. I am not going to be a part of it. Here's the thing. And by the way, Xander crushed me too. So I, I, I had him and like, just like I had Mav McNeely in a lot of lineups. Um, yeah. Xander not getting out of that group was really a shock to me. So with that said, listen, the, here's the thing. I think there is a mischaracterization of, of Finau's sort of elite upside at this point, because when you look at the, any tournament he's in, including this one, when you look at the guys around him, whether it's three up or three down from his price range, I feel like most of the time there's two or three guys that have 
the upside that we think Tony Finau does. The thing is, is their floor is way higher than Tony Finau. I feel like Tony Finau has sort of, sort of been stuck in this narrative that just isn't true anymore. And we have a large enough sample size to kind of prove that it's not true. Can he win? Yeah. But I think the guys around him have either equal or better upside with higher floors. I'm just not interested. Yeah, it's kind of stuck in stuck in neutral a little bit here for the last uh, since the win, since he won, he's kind of been been stuck in neutral. Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, continue down the board here. We've got to get to the eights, the sevens, of course, the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. And we're back. That $8,000 range on DraftKings, quite small. Adam Hadwin, Kevin Streelman, Johnny Vegas, Luke List. Then we round it out with Davis Riley, Russell Knox, Charlie Hoffman. I've heard of him. Mito Pereira, Patton Kazire, and Ryan Palmer. Greg, you're first up. 8K. How do you want to spend it? All right. I'm going to go uh, the top and the bottom. Okay. Okay. Now, there's a couple other guys I like in the middle, but I, I think Adam Hadwin is worth riding. It's worth riding the horse here. Um, he has his last two starts are top tens, the players and the Valero. Uh, I've been thrilled with it. The ball striking in every event except the Genesis Invitational this year has been uh, positive. He's gained in every single one of those. That's a that that's a real good sign. He's gained on the greens in his last two, and his record here is um, improving. He missed the cut, tied seventy second, tied twenty third. I, I think it's a I think it's a good course fit for him, and he's starting to fit that mold of the he's not at this level, but you know the the great ball striker, not necessarily long, but really just a high quality ball striker, a, a Charlie Hoffman type. But uh, Adam Scott keeps coming into my mind. I it, it's unfair to say because of Adam Scott's golf swing, but it, it's the it's the quality of the ball striking. I see that with Hadwin. And then my second favorite in this group is down in the 8Ks, and it's Pat and Kazire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat and Kazire, since the really since the start of this year as well, he he too has gained strokes approaching the green in every event except one. And the only one he didn't was the Farmers Insurance Open, um, a really tough venue. I think plays quite a bit different than this. He's gained strokes putting in two of the last three, which I really like. Uh, and and he's played only one time here at the Valero Texas Open. And it was a tied ninth last year. So I, I, I love Hadwin and I love Kazire in the eight case. Kazire is generally a guy who outperforms his finishing position in the tournament with DraftKings points. He makes a lot of birdies. He's going to get him back with bogeys, but this is a fantasy point game. And those are certainly valuable. Adam Hadwin, we've been tracking his 2022 approach gains for weeks and he's still Hitting it well. Always good to see. Okay, Sia, we've got Hadwin accounted for. We've got Patton Kazire accounted for. Where would you want to go next? I love both of those guys. They were on my list. I'll give you two other guys, though, that I like. Luke List is one of them. I'll admit, you know, this Knew is you know, obviously going to be part of Team No Putt here. But uh, and his his results here aren't, you know, super great. He's kind of like a, a model winner more than anything else. But I do see the upside. I mean, we saw the upside recently with Luke List. I like him. Um, as we look at him on the screen, yeah, the approach play has been spotty. The putter is the putter. That's Luke List's putter. So you're just going to have to accept that, um, Kyle Stanley esque. But if the ball striking is there, you know, again, I, I'm, you know, when I when I look at this on YouTube for for those of you listening now, if you can see my face, 
now I've gotten to the point where I'm like kind of trying to justify a pick that I'm not super in love with, but I do think that team no putt can be okay here. And so I, I don't mind with the ball striking. I don't mind taking a shot at Luke list unless he's even close to remotely popular, in which case I really have no reason to all pivot off of him. Another guy that might be popular is Mito Pereira. I mean, if you want to look at the ball striking and just the, the overall metrics with him uh, it's really popping. I think, when you're talking about some guys who have a price like Matt McNeely of 9,500 and some of these guys like Answer, who's 10,300, I think you want to look for some really good value plays. And I think you have it here in Mito Pereira. Mito Pereira's gained on approach in five straight off the tee and three straight. We've kind of got that ball striking version of Mito back that we lost for a couple of weeks. One other guy, actually, I guess two other guys, and, and these fall under kind of the elite course history guys. Uh, Kevin Streelman's 8,700 back-to-back top tens in 19 and 18, and he's playing well as of late. And then Greg, we've talked about this before, and I just want to reiterate this. The, the Charlie Hoffman 2.4 strokes gained per round at this event. That's not just good for this event. We went through a list a couple of weeks ago where it was like Rory at Bay Hill, Spieth at Pebble Beach and Augusta National, DJ at Pebble Beach. That is an amount of strokes gained in an amount of rounds that is probably top eight in course history of all players at all courses. Yes. And I mean, if you look at what he's done here in the it's past, stu- it's stupid. It, it It is unbelievable. I mean, it's dark green. It's, it's the color of money. But <laughs> if you go to his recent form, it's the color of something else that's a lot less friendly to look at. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's deep red. How do you it reconcile is, that, Greg? How do you reconcile the elite of elite course history with a guy who has uh, two consecutive missed cuts, then a 71st and a 67th? He had a WD and a missed cut. He's got no finish better than 67th in his last six, and he's doing it in a way that is very anti-Charlie Hoffman, losing in the ball striking categories. Yeah, and that that worries me. Um, so it's a sign he's not swinging well. He's not hitting the ball well. And every year when he comes here, he hits the ball well. Um, but there there are two starts here. And again, it's really, it's only, I guess they came here in 2010. So at this golf course, there have been two finishes outside the top 13, yeah. which is hard to imagine. Yeah. Um, but it was in 17 and 18, a tied 40th and a tied 64th where he struggled. And I just, I have a feeling this is going to be a letdown week. And so I want to let all the ownership pile up on Hoffman and I want to go down to Kazire, um, and, or, or go up to, a a Hadwin and, and win all the money. I think you're going to get a letdown from Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman, a win, three runners up, a third place finish, and then four more top 15s to go along with those results, but not playing well coming in. Let's pop on down to the $7,000 range. But before I do see a, as the president of the Ryan Palmer fan club, he is a flat $8,000. This is, this isn't a, this is not a spot, right? Probably not. Um, I'm vice president now, by the way, I'm president for (laughs) For for someone, <laughs> I demoted myself because I wasn't a super big fan of how Ryan Palmer was playing. I looked at his metrics before the show. It, it, I was trying to find a path, a way to justify it. Listen, the history here isn't bad. And we know Ryan Palmer has game. We know it's a weak field. I don't hate the play. But if you're just talking about the metrics, there's nothing really I can see to justify the play. If I'm making 10 lineups, do I have him in one? Yes. If I'm making five lineups, do I have him in one? Probably not. $7,000 range, Rasmus Hoygaard, Robert McIntyre at the top. And this is where you start to get that big old range on DraftKings. The notables at the bottom include Lee Westwood, Bo Hostler, and uh, Matthew Neesmith, $7,100 for that Matthew Neesmith. Okay, Greg, um, how are we going about sorting through this very large $7,000 range? I think there's a guy near the top in Sahith Tagala who is very interesting. Um, I, and and again, the form hasn't been rock solid consistent, but this is the this is the price range where I'm okay with paying for that. And I think he has a lot of upside. I think this is a guy trending toward his first victory on the PGA Tour. And so when you can play him at this price, now is a good time for it. The one concern is he can spray it off the tee a little bit. 
Um, my hope is, I mean, that, that punishes you at Valspar too. Yeah. Let me ask you about this because, uh, and I think you've talked about this before about his swing and how it's kind of very feel and handsy and he's got to get in the right spots. And I think that produces a lot of volatility. I mean, you can look through this. He's got some great results, but it's, you know, T25 at farmers, MDF, T third, 48th, cut, cut T seven. Like, I, I don't think the current version of Sahith is go is like a super consistent guy. It's like high upside popping here and there. Right. And that's exactly right. But I think that upside is win is winning. I oh, think there's sure. a real chance that he could win. And I think he could win here. I'm a little worried about the off the tee game. I mean, he's going to have to drive it. Well, he can't spray it here. Um, the way you could in, Phoenix. I mean, I, I saw on your site, Rick, Andy Lack talked about uh, the comparison between this course and um, and and TPC. Um, was it Summerlin? Uh, Summerlin was one, but Scottsdale, Scottsdale is the one I'm thinking of where he finished tied third. So I, I think there's a, a a chance. Now, this is a high risk play. So um, I, I wouldn't I, I think there's it's worth taking the chance because of the upside, but it is high risk. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to ask Sia about this. Mm-hmm. Unless you have any other thoughts on the gala. No, I was just going to say there there are the, the comp that I like about Summerlin is you can be a little bit off. You can't be way off. If you're right. a little bit off, you're in rough that is not penal at all. If you're very far off, you're in the desert and you're dead, which is kind of like the way that I attribute yeah. how you have to drive the ball around here. Fun fact, uh, the, the one of the guys who's won at both of those places, Summerlin and here at TPC San Antonio, uh, Martin Laird. He's in this range. He's 7,500 bucks. Sorry, who was that other guy? Yeah. Yeah, Martin Laird's one. But I wanted to ask Sia about uh, TPC Lee. Is he in play here this week? So I want to be super careful here because I don't want the narrative to take over. He's oh, really? Pretty- you don't? You don't? You don't? <laughs> well, not, are you, not are you sure? At the end of the show, maybe, but not not yet. The thing is, is on approach, he's been really bad. The last five tournaments, he's lost on approach. And given that this is a second shot golf course and really his approach is, I understand it's a TPC course, but the current form, it just doesn't seem justifiable to me there's too many other guys i like in this range so unfortunately i think i might be off tpc lee this week well he gained he gained five strokes here last year he lost the week before he was a little he was a little spotty coming in last time and his and history wonder- here is good to your to your point his history here is good i don't think it's a bad play i just think i'm probably going to be on other guys in this 7k range. okay well if you're on other guys then i think i might be too <laughs> Uh, that yeah, might be a little scary see uh, endorsement it's kind of hard to really follow through with okay gentlemen there's a lot of names here see who else in this 7k range uh, are we comfortable with so it's not it's not a comfort level thing because i'm not really super comfortable with any of the guys i'm about to say but matt kuchar is one of them who again uh, i keep referencing course history which isn't a huge factor here it's a pretty straightforward golf course but his history here is pretty compelling and his recent history 16th at the valspar i mean i, I do see some signs that the game is coming together i don't mind him and again he's a shorter shorter hitter but don't worry about that it seems like a long golf course but it, but it plays a lot shorter than it is i like kuchar I like Martin Laird. So Martin Laird has burned me the last two times I've played him. And he's really burned me because I I had one lineup that like might've had an outright potential. And I had Martin Laird as my sixth guy. Laird and Luke Lissia are like absolute, and I'm with you, but like absolute team, no putt all-stars. Laird's lost almost 10 strokes putting just in the last two tournaments. Kyle Stanley thinks that's bad. I mean, this oh, is, I mean, this is, I know, this is, wow. A, yeah. I mean, he is just your good. punching bag tonight. I like that. That was a drive by on Kyle Stanley. Another well, one. I, hey, listen, I am secretary of the Kyle Stanley fan club and I love the guy, but he can't put in. So yeah, so I, I'm going a little too deep on, on team. No putt with like suggesting Luke list and Martin Laird. I will say this though. I'm going to take another shot at Martin Laird because in spite of the putting troubles, he has been really good here. Uh, not just the win, but he's he's actually, you know, the finishing positions overall have been really good. It gives me the sense that he's c- more comfortable putting here. And we see that now if you're watching on YouTube. He's actually gaining more often than, than you might think, uh, at least at this course. And the ball striking has been great. So I do like Martin yeah. Laird. It's uh, nine starts at the Valero Texas Open. He's gained with the putter four times, lost four times, and was basically dead even in one of them. The, the, this is this is the perfect no putt guy. When you finish T nine at exactly tour average with the putter, like that's that's what you're that's what you're hoping for from the Luke Lists and the Martin Lairds of the world. Pretty much. And there's one other guy in the seven K range 
that also is pretty much firmly entrenched in Team No Putt, but not nearly as bad as Martin Laird and Luke List and some of those guys like Kyle Stanley. It's Matthew Naismith. Yes, I, I knew like it. Yeah, I knew it. This is kind of my sneaky proposition here. At least I hope he ends up being sneaky. The fact that Greg was thinking along the same lines scares me a little bit, but he's really I, like he's he's already popped a little bit. It's just kind of a small sample size. But remember that the classic Matthew Naismith, vintage Matthew Naismith, was the guy we're seeing right now who really gains on approach. For whatever reason, he lost it for a little while. But he's really popping on approach. The putter is bad, although he has shown the ability to pop with the putter. The ball striking overall has been really good. I think it's 7,100. You're getting a bargain here. And I I think this guy could top 10 this tournament if, if the game is right. It, it's a, it's a, a misprice, in my opinion. This is a misprice. He's coming off a tied third. I know he's been inconsistent and he's been a popper. But I, I liken this guy to Tom Hoagie. And you're going to a place where he, his game gives him a real advantage. And you look at what he did last year, his only start here at this tournament. He came in tied 34th. Um, he lost 1.57 strokes putting. And it, it, so he can he can get around here without having a, a pot putting week. And at 7,100, tied 34th can go a long way. That can be a, a really solid part of a lineup. So I look at him as kind of a, for a popper, uh, a high floor guy. I think his floor is higher than Thigala's, uh, who's up at the top of this range. I, I mean, I, I think he's a must. I think he's a must. Side note on Matthew Naismith, because we know that par five scoring is pretty important here. And, and I'm pulling up last 24 rounds right now, but last 12 rounds, I think he's third in this field, strokes in par five. So for a guy who we conventionally think of as a shorter hitter, you know, a second shot guy, He's actually winning on the par five. So keep that in mind as well. If you look at that strokes gain par five, the last 24 rounds, it's a slightly different story. He's actually around 50th. But again, he's coming in hot. And that's what we're trying to take a hold of is the 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 ascent that he is on. I would be remiss if we did not talk about Brendan Steele, who was in the mm. midst of a very difficult stretch of golf recently. He missed, I believe, five consecutive. Yeah, five straight cuts. Has gotten it figured out. T26 at the API. T13 at the players. Firmly in the team no-putt category, but similar to Martin Laird here, Greg, you get a golfer who has a lot of good history at the Valero, including a victory in 2011 and a guy that has gained strokes putting in half of those starts. Uh, I think if we marry the recent ball striking with the maybe historical course putting, I think we've got ourselves a guy who can make a move. Uh, I like it. Um, he was definitely somebody that I had on my list when I first looked at this. I think it's a he's a factor. Um, I don't have a very high confidence in, in the I, I don't feel like there's a ton of upside with the Brendan Steele, but I think there's a definitely an avenue to play him for sure. Let's continue to the depths of the $6,000 range. Uh, this is going to be actually quite interesting because uh, we usually go down to the min price and we say, oh, who's the min? Who's the min? There's actually kind of an interesting situation down there. Before I get down there, 6900 bucks. Brandon Grace, Brendan Todd, Cam Champ, David Lipsky, Minwoo Lee, Nate Lashley. The min priced options, that is $6,000 on DraftKings. Martin Trainer, David Skins, Peter Uline. That's the guy I want to talk about. So Peter Uline, uh, last time we saw him was two weeks ago. I finished runner-up at the Corn Ferry Tour event. Say what you will about Peter Uline. I will say, uh, so he is $6,000 on DraftKings, Sia. He's $9,900 on FanDuel. So to put that into perspective, Luke List is also $9,900 on FanDuel, but he's $8,500 on DraftKings. So that is a $2,500 difference between sites, something you don't usually see, which means that might be, I don't know if it's an error, but it might be an error. It's an error. Peter Uline, just to, when you went down to the bottom there, I, I, I got to be honest, I didn't know he was in this tournament. And before you even said his name, I was like, what is that guy doing down here? He should be like in the 6,600 range, 6,700. He definitely should not be where he is. So yeah, that that's an error that 
you know, listen, that's one of those things where you're like, oh, definitely take advantage of that. Well, just keep in mind that the error, it's not like he should have been like a, a 9,000 golfer that's going to make the cut. So you're still taking, right. You're still taking a bit of a risk here, but yeah, no, that's definitely a misprice. I, I like, I like how his game has been trending as of late. He's, he shouldn't be 6,000. Yeah, last four starts, uh, a runner-up and a 17th place finish on the Corn Ferry Tour, and then he missed, he made the cut at both the Honda Classic and the Puerto Rico Open. So four starts in a row that you would probably take for the, the dead men. Uh, but let me bop this uh, back over to you here, Greg, because uh, the $6,000 range, if you are going up and you're getting somebody in that $10,000 range, you might have to you know, brush your feet and get down into the, get them dirty here. What do you, what do you like in the $6,000? Yeah. I don't mind the $6,000 range at the high end. I, I don't think I'm going down to a Peter U line, uh, even mispriced or not. I, I don't look at that as a really high chance of, um, you know, shock in the world, if you will. But when you, when you're in the upper area of the range, you know, the 69, 68, um, and even 6,700 range. I think there's some really interesting plays. I think Nate Lashley is a, a solid play. Um, he, he finished tied 27th at the Vals bar tied seventh at the Puerto Rico open. Um, he's missed the cut in both starts here, but he seems to be hitting the ball a little bit better. And, and I think he's a, a, a worthy play. And then I go down to, uh, Adam Svensson, who's kind of been a, a fan favorite of ours, a, a very popular player because of the approach play. Um, tied 39th at the Valspar. He missed the cut at the API tied ninth at the players. I mean, th these are pretty good results and I can look past a, a missed cut at the API, uh, uh, when it's surrounded by some really good form. And when, when the ball striking has been as good as it's been for him. Yeah. Those are kind of the staples that like whole rye Svensson Svensson Smotherman range. They're all 6,800 that I'd be fine with any of them. I think doc. Yeah. I think Doc is kind of getting right at 6,700. Sia, what else in this range is worth exploring? You know, I'm, I'm marveling at the fact that Henrik Stenson is 6,300 in this field. It's just, <laughs> it's just weird to see. I'm not saying it's necessarily unjustified. You know, I'm, I'm going to mention a couple of names, but a couple other names I do want to point out. Ben Martin has had success here in terms of making the cut and finishing with, you know, middling results, 30s, 40s, finishing positions. He was second last week in Punta Cana. So somebody to keep in mind at 6,400. My guy, Jim Herman at 6,100. Uh, he has won here before, right? Not only that, but he, uh, you know, the ball striking isn't as bad as some of those other guys in the 6,100 range. So again, if you're, you're trying to just, you know, Go for Hail Marys. I think Jim Herman is viable. But let's go to the four guys I like. Nate Lashley was one of them. Danny Lee is another one of them. Doc Redman, who we've talked about a lot over the last few weeks. I don't want to say it's a misprice, but it very well could be. And J.J. Spawn, if you guys recall, a couple of weeks ago, we brought him up and we were talking about the, the injury and the, the sort of the misdiagnosis he received. That tournament that we talked about, he played really well. And I expect him to play well in this tournament, too. The metrics are really, really strong, especially recently for J.J. Spawn. So uh, I, I think that's a really good price on him. Yeah, Spawn's been pretty darn good. I wanted to see what Kevin Chappell's been up to, Greg, because it was just a couple of years ago when he won this thing. But yeah, I'm not uh, I'm seeing a lot of red here. Yeah, on, on the I, I looked at him, too. He had my interest because um, I think he played pretty well early in, in a recent event. But it didn't. It just hasn't panned out, um, and that can happen. You watch some of these guys on Thursday, and you're saying, "Oh, maybe he's maybe he's coming back. He's been playing well." And you see the rest of the week, and you know they come back to earth. So, it, um, yeah, not not overly high on him. I'm not crazy about much else in this range going down the list. I mean, a, a name like JT Poston has popped up uh, here and there. I'm not very high on him he's been struggling approaching the green uh graham mcdowell you saw him play pretty well last week um but uh, uh, again i'm just there, there's not much there so yeah. maybe you know you know who else could be an interesting guy um, Hank uh, <laughs> i was gonna ask you if there was a 6600 <laughs> guy here that you liked um no but uh, like a, a lee hodges Seems like a, a young guy that's figuring it out. Had a good week a couple weeks ago at the Honda. Hasn't been great since, but maybe maybe he resurfaces. Uh, again, I, that's if, a guess. 
if I may, uh, he makes the all Lee team this week. So we have five golfers that have Lee in their name, Lee Hodges, KH Lee, Danny Lee, Lee Westwood, and Min Woo Lee. So you, you got to, with the sixth golfer, throw in Rory or somebody with a Lee sort of last name, or like Stan McNeil Lee, Lee. Kyle Stanley, Mav McNeil Lee, however you want to justify that sixth. Stanley played, played, played well here last year. Is that, is that, uh, is, is that our all narrative team? Is that, are we, was that, was that a spoiler alert? Not really. That that was the sort of the secondary narrative team. Uh, the, the narrative team, if I may, Please. is yes. so we're, in, we're in Texas. And what do we know about Texas? We know that uh, America's team bigger in Texas, including America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. So there are at least six players, but these are the six prominent ones I found who have last names that share last names of mostly Hall of Fame oh Dallas God. Cowboys or not necessarily Hall of Famers, but prominent six, Dallas six Cowboys. Six figures. of those exist. Really? Six of those exist. Yeah, it, yeah I, I thought last names. Last names, correct. Oh my God, I'm not. I don't even know if I hold on. Don't don't spoil this yet. Uh, I'm not good at Dallas Cowboys players, but I'm scrolling through. I mean, there's not a Vegas, right? Like, I mean, I'm well, just, one is one be is a, a walker. Coach. One is, is there a yeah, walker. There is a walker. Yes, okay, there is Herschel walker. walker. That's one of them. Yep. Obviously, Jimmy Walker, Herschel Walker. By the way, Jimmy Walker has great experience here. Just throwing yep. that out there for you. Yep. Uh, is there, and again, I'm, of, I'm guessing, is there a Wallace? Too. Is there a Wallace? There is, there is not a Wallace. Okay. I have zero idea. Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Johnson right? Jimmy Johnson, also Keyshawn Johnson, Johnson, Brad yeah. Johnson, Tank Johnson. Okay. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, I'm just scrolling through here. Is there a Clark? Isn't there a Clark on the Cowboys now? No. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm not an expert here. Hardy by any means. This is Greg Hardy. Hardy. Who's he? Wait, is there a Hardy in this field? Yeah, Greg Hardy used to play for the Cowboys. There's a Nick Hardy. Oh, Nick Hardy's playing in this field. He he would be the alternate that you can throw in. But I think there's six guys I'd probably right. give, give us the six. I'm not. How about never... Jones? Is there a Jones? And and Greg Hardy has some. There is a Jones. Yes, Adam yeah. Pacman Jones is one of them. And right. two tall Jones for those of you that are older than Greg and uh, and Rick. Okay, so you got three of them, by the way. And we're going to okay. leave Greg Hardy out. He had some. He has some. Oh, negative he's, news yeah, he's, the, he's the baddie. I forgot. That's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um. So all right. So we've got. We mentioned Jimmy Walker, Herschel Walker. We've uh-huh. got Matt Jones, Adam Pacman Jones, Ed Tutal Jones, and then of course you mentioned Johnson for Zach Johnson, Keyshawn, Brad, Tank Johnson. Okay, so here are the other three: Taylor Moore, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was uh-huh. the backup QB for one of the backup QBs for Tony Romo. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, we've got oh Danny Lee, a guy I just mentioned in the six K range. Sean Lee, ten year linebacker oh, yeah. for the Cowboys, who middle linebacker, right? Yep, yeah, middle linebacker. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And finally, what team, you can't have a team without a coach, right? Yeah, we kind of mentioned Jimmy Johnson, but I'm going to go bigger. Andrew Landry, Tom Landry. Tom Landry coached the Cowboys for almost 30 years in the Hall of Fame, two Super Bowls. So we have Andrew Landry, Jimmy Walker, Matt Jones, Danny Lee, Zach Johnson, Taylor Moore. And if you want to, you can throw in Nick Hardy. Your wow. Team. I'm See impressed. That, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking you're going to go with guys over six foot three or, um, oh, that's a good, point. you know, guys who went to Oklahoma state thinking of a Peter Uline. I'm not sure there's six of them there, but I know Ricky Fowler's in the field too. You got to, so I, I was thinking something more along those lines, but oh, like the cowboy, cowboy connection. Yeah. I mean, that is deep. Yeah. Uh, Baracho Burrow says this segment is starting to be a reach. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the point. That's, welcome, that's, uh, welcome to the joke. Welcome that's to the, the bit. bit. Yeah, you welcome. probably shouldn't play that lineup, but believe it or not, some of them cash. Uh, if you're putting more than a dollar or three bucks on a lineup like that, then you are probably wasting some money. Do you, uh, do you follow just real quick on that? Do you follow Club Pro Guy? I assume that, yes. So every once in a while, somebody on Twitter will start coming after him based on his posts. They get upset or offended. And and if you read the comments on it, it there's always this line that says, uh, you must be new here. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> that you, you must be new here if you don't know this is a reach. It's right. a reach. This is, all, this is the whole point. Uh, Sia, are you going to bless us with any first-round leaders? 
I am. I've got five for you, but you got to keep in mind because tee times aren't out yet and there's potential wind issues, obviously, at the Valero year to year. So keep that in mind. Uh, I don't have tee times, but here's here are five guys I'll list for you real quick. We're going for three in a row on this show. So that would be kind of cool. Oh, that's uh, right. Adam had first round leaders last week because it was match play. Okay. Yeah. I put some out on Twitter just for the sake of full disclosure that they, they did not. I had a few that were actually really close, but they didn't hit. But as far as this show is concerned, three in a row, let's start with Adam Hadwin at 50 to one, Patton Kazire at 55 to one, Mito Pereira at 60 to one, Matthew Naismith at 100 to one, and Doc Redman, 130 to one. Those are the five. Okay, I'm writing them down. Hadwin 50, Kiz, uh, that's Kazire, 55, mm-hmm. Mito mm-hmm. 60, uh, Neesmith 100, the Redmond 110. 130. Oh, geez, 130. No respect for this guy. No respect for Doc. He's turning it around. Let's go. I love that, Tia. I love those plays. Feels good. Especially the first three. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be playing. Listen, I'll be playing all three. Those three in particular, actually, all of them. Doc, I'll probably won't have too much, but Hadwin, Kazire, Mito, and Naismith, I think are going to make it on a lot of my teams. Oh, yeah. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we get out of here on the DFS preview for this week's? Uh, I keep wanting to call it Valspar, Valero. Anything yeah, else? those two can be confusing, but um, this is a this is a cool tournament to watch. And yeah, always have the Masters in the back of your mind. Um, but, but this is a, this is a cool one in general. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I think this is field is, you know, I looked through it without the DraftKings pricing yesterday. I think it's actually better than, um, I I'm, I'm more optimistic about it today. So I think we're set for a great week. Might get somebody to punch a late ticket to the masters as well. Right. Which is always fun. Maybe yeah. a Richard Bland. I'm not there sure if there's a cowboy named Bland, but. Well, uh, real quick, just between us guys and, and Jacob, um, Jim Herman's probably going to be one, my one and done. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> don't tell anybody. I don't See want anybody giving up on his one and done selections for the season. If you want to make sure that you get your fan vote in the one and done form is in this description. You have until Tuesday morning when we go live for the mega preview pod, obviously uh, it is going to be locked up by then. So make sure to get your vote in right now. And we will announce that on Tuesday morning, but we're going to stop. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. And that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.